Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Leave Nothing Undead podcast. My name is Amit Kunath, and I'll be hosting today's episode. And today with me, I have Mr. Bradstreet to talk about the various sustainability initiatives that we have at Mazenod College. Hi, Mr. Bradstreet. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Amit. So my first question for you, sir, is how many kilowatts of solar panels does the school have? Amit, we have 99.9 kilowatts of solar electricity being generated in three spots around the school. On the roof of the science lab, on the gymnasium, and on the new D&T building. And we're only just a fraction short of the 100 kilowatts. Uh, to let you know, there are plans to put at least another 30 kilowatts on the roof of the design and technology buildings. Okay, that's good. So my next question, sir, is what percentage of the school's energy is generated through solar power? On a normal school day, Hamet, we generate about 25% of our total electrical needs. Okay. But in relation to days when there is no school, we come pretty close to generating almost all of our power. That is to say, during weekends, during holiday periods, um, we cover almost all of our power. So um, that's the first thing. And the second thing is that if we weren't, um, if we didn't have a boarding house, in other words, if we were just an ordinary school, we would have, we would be generating enough power for the running of the school would be about 50%. Now, when we look at that, 60% of our power requirements for the school are during daytime and 40% are at nighttime. And most of that 40% is in the boarding house. Okay. So um, I guess we could say on days of no school, the base load of the school is covered by our solar panels. Um, if it weren't for uh, the usage of power in the boarding house at night, we'd be close to 50%. But at the moment, overall, we're looking at about 25%. That's a very substantial amount of power that we're generating just through solar. Um, does the school have any plans to perhaps increase that even more? Yes, we, we intend to put more solar on the design and technology area. And we're also looking at ways that we can uh, look at retaining some of the power that we have during holiday periods, etc. But at the moment, battery technology is a little expensive. We're also looking at the possibility of wind generators because even a three kilowatt wind generator on our current science roof, because of our height, would give us a quite a substantial amount of power in, in a hybrid system when there wasn't sun um, at night time. And uh, I'm not sure if you realise that the easterly wind, not just the westerly wind, and we're exposed to both being on the hill, um, would would generate significant amounts more power. So that's another possibility that we're considering. Okay, uh, thanks for talking about that because 
I mean, um, I wasn't really aware of this until now. I'm sure that's the same with most of the students. So that seems like a really interesting thing that we might be, um, we might start generating some of our power using uh, wind as well. And even the 25% from solar, I'm sure that a lot of students might not be aware of that. So thanks for letting us know. Um, and uh, moving on uh, away from the issue of power generation, um, we are a water-wise school. Uh, so could you please explain, sir, what that means? Well, um, we have and have had for some time a number of initiatives to save drawing water from the metropolitan scheme. The first thing is that we have, down below the boarding house, we have a well that pumps water and... Even in the driest summer, um, we are able to uh, maintain the level at least a metre above our input. And we pump that water to the large 100,000 litre concrete tank on the side of the oval. Okay. So that's one initiative that we have. The second initiative is that we collect the water off the gymnasium roof in a tank that is 135,000 litres. So by the end of winter, we go into summer with 235,000 litres without even drawing water from our well. But there's something else that's coming, Amit, that's quite interesting. The, um, the Shire, the city of Kalamunda, is looking at a proposal whereby they will pump water from the forest field sands down at the bottom of the hill and that will be pumped up and irrigated to the Ray Owen Oval okay. and to ourselves. This, we would be looking at building another two very large tanks so that in that way we minimise the total use of water that we draw from the scheme. The other thing that I'd make you aware of is that not a drop of water that is used in toilets, that is used in sinks, leaves this property. Being on a hill that's very stony, we, we're not connected to the metropolitan sewerage system. And what we have is we have three systems here that... Uh, take the water that is used from all toilets, all taps, and as black water, and black water includes toilet water, um, is treated by a bacterial method, and all of that water waters all of the gardens around the admin block, the gardens between the year 12 area, or the senior block and design and technology, and also, uh, the all of the water that comes from the main section of the school and from the boarding house goes again to an underground system that waters all of the fruit trees below the boarding house. So we, we save water by not, by recycling, if you like, that water. And it goes in purple pipes uh, to meet the requirements. Uh, buried 50, uh, 
50 centimeters below the ground. Okay. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, letting us know about that. I was never aware of the fact that so much of our water was recycled, um, particularly our black water uh, recycling system. I was not aware of that. Uh, and I'm sure that's the same for a lot of members of our Masnod community. Um, so it sounds like there's a lot of water recycling and water capturing systems that we have here, um, as you mentioned with the gym. So would you say that it would be reasonable to estimate perhaps that we get most of our water through those means and not through the metropolitan system? We do in summer need to supplement our watering of ovals by taking in um, scheme water. And also all of our drinking water here is scheme water. So uh, we will always have some reliance on scheme water but particularly when there's new forest field sands and we get on um, this irrigation water, we'll be losing, we'll be using less in future summers. So, like as an estimate, would you say that most of our water isn't scheme water? Um, I'm not sure of the actual percentage. Okay. But I do know that uh, having the well, which we have, and having the two tanks that we have certainly contributes to a lot of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it seems very significant as well. Like I, I didn't know that we had a, a black water recycling system or, or even the water capturing system from the gym. Uh, I'm learning about that for the first time today. Um, Unfortunately, I'll just make a point here. Unfortunately, by law, you can't use black water on above the surface. Okay. So while well, I do in some countries, the health regulations here prevent us from watering our ovals by this recycled water that we have. Okay. There's a couple of other things <clears throat> which I guess we could say are energy saving um, that we do that you might not know about. Um, the first one is, of course, that we do heat our swimming pool by having a huge amount of black polythene on the junior area of our boarding house and that heats the pool. And the second one is we don't have a lot of reliance upon uh, detergents because we actually use ozone in the washing of the boarders' clothing. And that is another um, green initiative that we have in terms of making us that little bit more sustainable. Okay. Uh, so, um, again, now we've talked about uh, energy supply. We've talked about water. Um, we are now obviously a waste-sorted school as well. So we try to use, uh, we try to do our best to reduce the amount of waste that we generate to landfill. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, the more of that we can do, the better. Um, there are... Parts of the coastal plain, not far from uh, where we are um, situated, uh, that have rubbish tips that will not be able to be built on for more than 100 years. In fact, between ourselves and Midlands, um, there where there is an industrial area, um, the groundwater can't be used because of pollution of things that have 
gone into the ground or into the tips nearby. So the more that we can recycle things, um, particularly metals and also glass, uh, the less energy is used in, in uh, manufacturing more of those products. Okay. Um, so thank you for discussing those things. Um, I just want to go over some of the other initiatives that we've been doing um, as a sustainability group at the college. Um, so we obviously had the Containers for Change program uh, where we had a form competition to encourage students to recycle their Containers for Change uh, and we rewarded the, or we will be rewarding next week in WasteWise Week, um, the best form um, for, with a sausage sizzle at lunchtime, so a free lunch. Um, and obviously next week, um, WasteWise Week is coming up, as I mentioned, um, and we'll be having a, a worm man incursion as well as some worm farm fridges, which will be coming soon. Uh, and yesterday, myself and the other sustainability group students uh, participated uh, in um, with other in in a summit with other oblate and oblate family schools in the country um, to talk about what they're doing um, with their sustainability projects. Uh, what else do you think we could be adding to that to uh, become even more um, of a sustainable community? Well, I guess one of the things that we do that sometimes we overlook is the battery collection. And I know that it, typically in a year, uh, we uh, have collected uh, between 650 and 1,000 kilowatt, uh, 1,000 kilograms of batteries. And this is really important because of the pollution that these batteries, if they go into the waste, um, produce. So this is where we actually encourage families, so we're in the community acting as a collection point for batteries that otherwise might go into the rubbish. Yeah, and I agree. That is something that we often overlook. Um, and I think part of the reason for that is that I don't think it's a new scheme because I think ever since I was a year seven, I can remember it was here. And I'm assuming it's been there even before that as well. So, uh, yeah. Um, do you think there's anything else that um, we as a community could potentially do on top of what we're already doing um, to advance sustainability at Masnod College? If you take aerial pictures of the college, you can see that uh, the number of trees that we have um, and the lawns that we have uh, are responsible for absorbing a lot of carbon dioxide and putting oxygen back into the air. When we have building programs, we try to minimise the number of trees and the areas uh, that we have to clear, and we try to minimise that so that, again, we're um, endeavouring to contribute to the oxygen supply um, yeah. of, of the world. Yeah. Um, well, thank you, Mr. Bradstreet, for joining me today on the Leave Nothing Undead podcast, uh, the Masnod College Community podcast, uh, to uh, let us know about some of the sustainability initiatives that we have in place at the college, uh, and also for discussing how they have positively impacted the, co uh, the college community in terms of uh, energy, water, and waste management. Uh, yeah, thank you, sir. 
Thanks, Simon. Happy to be here.